What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of Drive with Woody Fit. In this episode, I interview a guy named Chris. He's an aircraft mechanic with 11 years in the industry. He's been training since he was 23. We talk about everything from how he got into fitness, what kind of training he's doing, how he recovered from his back injury, all this good stuff. This was an awesome conversation. Chris is an awesome dude. He knows a lot. He's really just overall a great guy. I absolutely love this conversation with him. So check it out, my interview with the aircraft mechanic named Chris. It's pretty wild, I think, that like we haven't even tapped into 20% I don't know what the real number is, but I've heard that we're only using a small percentage of, of what our, we we can use our brains for. I just, I think that's insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think the number I heard was 10%, but who, I mean, I don't know for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, either way, it's an incredibly small percentage. And I mean, you, you see it just in the difference between your training days sometimes. I mean, you might have got the same amount of sleep, eating the same amount of food, mm-hmm. and if your head is not in the right place, it can really have an effect on your training. Oh, definitely. You know, uh, I mean, I see a difference from when I train by myself compared to when I'm doing a workout with a partner. Like, the motivation and just the ability to push that much further is just insane. Like you, like you had sent me those motivational videos, those... I think are awesome tools for guys like you and me to use who sometimes just we work out by ourselves and yeah. there's only so much, there's only so far the average person can push themselves mentally. And I think that using, using tools like that to help really push yourself and, and finding whether it be a video or a podcast or a song you know, whatever it is, to use those tools to help push yourself mentally is extremely important, especially if you're working out by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, a, there's a pretty famous power lifter named Stephanie Cohen, and she, uh, she's been setting world records like crazy. There was a recent podcast with her where she talked about when she broke the four times body weight barrier, like what was going on with her training and all that. And she said that one of the biggest things was she started working with a sports psychologist, which I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't even begin to know exactly what that would entail, but Mm -hmm. obviously it had a big effect because it, uh, it really pushed her even further. And when you're at that high of a level, you know, the further you get into your training, the harder it is to make those gains, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's nutrition or whether it's weight, you know, mm-hmm. your initial gains are always, they always come a little bit easier. Maybe not easy. Maybe it's not the right word, but I think you know what I'm getting at there. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. That That's insane. I mean, breaking the four times body weight record, that, <laughs> that is just wild. I'm, I mean, I can only imagine, yeah. like, for me, being at 150, that's that's a six that's 600 pounds. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, my goal, my my ultimate goal, personally, is only uh, just shy of 550, and and that's a deadlift. Of course, yeah. That's that's my strongest movement, and, and you know, 600 is only only 50 pounds heavier, but but at at that level, when you're that's... each pound is like feels most likely probably feels like. 10 extra pounds. I mean, 
You know, I yeah. put the last time that I tried to max on deadlift was uh, I went for 445, and I got about six inches off the ground, but you know, it, I just hit that sticking point and yeah. pulled it back and ended up pulling 440, super clean. But just nice. that just that five pounds, you know, made made a world of, world of a difference. Like when you're working that close to your one rep max, a simple two and a half five pounds makes an absolute world of a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that physically it makes a big difference. And I think you know sometimes it kind of comes back to what we were talking about a minute ago with the the mental aspect where I know for me, there are certain weights that I'm almost afraid of. You know, there are a number that I have uh, tried to reach in the past that is uh, like maybe it's a 225 jerk or, you know, whatever, whatever the the number it is, maybe it's a even number of plates. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you approach it, you know, you're working up to that. Maybe it's just, 10 pounds lighter to five pounds lighter and you got it and it wasn't a problem. And when you get to that magical number, whatever it is, you know, you, you just kind of have that fight or flight thing going and your body says, I know you've been training this way, but we're going to just do this instead. And it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I pulled over 400, over 405 in a gym, was I, I needed a coach. I mean, up until that point, I had never pulled four plates on a deadlift in a gym. Uh, prior to that, the only time I pulled over 405 was in my first powerlifting meet with with RPS. And that was the only time I pulled over 405 was in that meet. Because, you know, you have a crowd of people watching you. The energy is just insane. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just just thinking back to it. And you almost can't replicate that sometimes. It's very hard to mentally replicate that in a gym. Uh, When, when, like, nobody's watching you, you know, you're by – or in a garage gym, you're by yourself. You know, nobody's outside. You're just solo by yourself. It's very hard to replicate that that feeling and that, that dump of adrenaline that you get when you, when you step on stage to do your lift and it's extremely hard. And like I said, the only way the, the first time I did it in the gym, I had a coach that was critiquing my form proper. Like she was doing all the math. I wasn't thinking I was just, she was loading the bar. I was deadlifting. And that's all I was doing. And that was the only time. Of course, after that, after breaking through that plateau and that mental blockage of I've never pulled four plates in a gym and then finally doing it, it was much easier in the future to come back to that. And because I did it, I knew I did it. I knew it was possible for me. So it was easier in the future to do it again. Um, But prior to that, it was seemingly impossible. And you went exactly where I was going to go with that, which is once you've done it, it's not, it's like, okay, I can do this, you Mm -hmm. know? And for me at least, and I think for most people, it kind of becomes this game where you play, uh, okay, well, I did that, so I can do it again. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then eventually throughout, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, ways you can progress in training, but obviously, you know, if you, if you want to use reps, for example, say, I know I can do a weight for five reps. Well, maybe I can do it for six now. And then mm-hmm. I find out I can do six, then seven. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're at 10 or, mm-hmm. you know, and those, it builds. It's one of those things that, you know, it's the thing that I love about training is that it all builds upon itself. Mm-hmm. And you, you may not notice this particular lift going up a lot with this training block, but maybe it's helping another lift. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe all these squats that you're doing this time actually ends up helping your bench because you're having to hold your torso upright, you're having to use your legs, you know, and you, mm-hmm. it's kind of a strange side effect that happens sometimes. And mm-hmm. you probably don't know, notice that as much because you've got more formal training than I do. When you put a program together, it probably has, there, there's probably a lot more information that you're applying. When I've done my own programming in the past, I kind of have always targeted I try and get all the big lifts in, and then I try and find my weak points and throw things in to to work on that. When you're writing your own programming, a lot of times, even if you're not consciously doing it, you're avoiding some of the things that you don't like to do. Right, right. You you have to do it. It's Mm -hmm. in the program. And that's, I mean, I've even noticed that for myself recently was, you know, writing my own program was, well... I'm not a bodybuilder, so I'm not going to do calf raises, you know. I'm not going to do calf raises for hypertrophy, but that's something that I've always lacked in and always hated was training calves and trying to get my calves to grow. And I had succumbed to the myth that to train your calves, you have to do high reps, low, not low weight, but, but decently moderately moderate heavyweight, but you have to do – you have to do high reps to get them to grow. And I mean, that's just not the case. It's the calf muscles are just like any other muscle. You might use them a lot with walking, but if you want to grow a muscle, you need to put it under the proper stress. Just like you put your legs under a proper stress by doing heavy squats to get them to grow or your chest to do heavy bench to get your upper body to grow. You need to put your calves under the proper stress to get them to grow. Same thing with the core, with the abs. Everybody does these high rep ab exercises to try to get cut abs or to build the abs. Does it have its place in a proper program? Yes, definitely. But if you're not doing resistance training on your abs, you're not going to build the muscle. If you're just doing planks, static holds for two, three, five minutes, well, that's great and all. And you're improving your, your your abs, your core ability to stabilize, but you're not growing the muscle. You're not training it so that they really pop when you get down to that lower body fat percentage. So, I mean, that's, that's a big mis- misconception that I see all the time, especially with these like Instagram fitness models that, that are promoting these, these, these workouts and you know, maybe they have a great body and all, but they don't really know about proper programming and whatnot. And they're teaching people that don't know much to do these concepts that are just simply not working 
for what they want to do for the goal that that they want to achieve and it's sad to see you know it's it's unfortunate but it's a misconception in the industry that you have to do long duration high rep exercises to build the ab muscles yeah and you know in in kind of the same way but a much more popular muscle i always uh i always thought that if i wanted to grow biceps i would have to do just a ton of bicep work you know a lot of curls a lot of you know whatever it is and you know mainly a lot of curls that's the one that everybody thinks about mm-hmm. at, at a moderate weight and what i've been doing recently that actually seems to be working much better or doesn't seem to it is because uh, my arms are growing is a pretty challenging weight for you know 10 or 12 or sometimes even eight reps mm-hmm. for five or six sets it, it yeah you do you do definitely have to apply different stimulus to to promote that growth and sometimes even using multiple methods sometimes uh i went i did a a training block with bench where one day i would do very very low reps and very heavy weight and another day I would do a lot less weight and higher reps, and I did see some pretty good improvement in that mm-hmm. training block. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you you definitely have to. There's a lot to consider, and I think it's. I wish I would have had the money <laughs> years ago to have, uh, you know, hired somebody, or maybe even not the money, because I, I think that does tend to be. An excuse, an excuse. You know, mm-hmm. we always have money to to go out for dinner or to to do this or to do that. But when it comes to the most important thing, our health, mm-hmm. I don't have the money for that. Right. You know, it, you know it's uh, it. You hear it a lot. People are much more willing to pay for a nine hundred dollar iPhone than they are to invest in in their own health and well being. And I think also what what comes along with that is is just putting in the work, you know, not not understanding or not being explained that this is a, a very long process and you're not going to change your body overnight. It takes dedication. It takes time. And for most people in the situation that they're in physically and mentally, it's it's a necessity. It's an absolute necessity to be dedicated, to put in the time and to focus their energy on improving their health and well-being. My grandfather, for example, um, is having somewhat of a rough time now. He's, He's in his 80s. And for a good stretch, a year or two ago, he was doing simple, um, like arm arm workouts, simple, pretty simple resistance training at home, things he could do um, while he was sitting, like uh, like light dumbbell shoulder presses and bicep curls and tricep extensions and just very basic things. And he was also doing laps around the inside of his house, and he would he was very consistent with it, and and his health was definitely improving. He's been, he's been overweight for a lot of his life. And 
more recently, he stopped doing um, stopped doing all of that pretty much, and his health started to decline. He stopped moving. He was very sedentary. His thought process wasn't as quick. He wasn't able to, you know, he was able to respond to, to questions or anything. I don't think there's any signs of dementia or anything like that. But he, you could just tell overall his health was declining. And then recently he he fell, and thankfully he didn't hurt himself, but he couldn't get up. He didn't have the upper body strength to get himself off the floor. And thankfully my mom was around to to help him get up. And he started now doing training with resistance bands at home. Just simple, mm-hmm. simple stuff he can do uh, to just increase his upper body strength and, and overall, you know, mobility. And I asked my mom about it um, yesterday uh, and I asked her how grandpa was doing. And she said that he's definitely noticed um, an increase in his upper body strength. He's feeling better. He's moving more as a result of, of doing these resistance, these light resistance band workouts. And he's also noticing it. And she said, she's noticing it uh, in his brain in how he's acting and what he's saying. And, 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 and now his choices of of food and, and what he's eating. So it's, it's so super important, especially as you age to stay on top of the fitness and stay on top of just movement in general, because, you know, as you age, your your ability to bounce back declines at a fairly rapid rate. So if you can negate that as best as you can by just doing simple resistance training and, and simple moving, it, it makes an absolute world of a difference. Absolutely. And I mean, that that's not even broaching the subject of the endorphins that you get from working out, how it, how it affects your I, that is actually, you did cover that talking about your grandpa. He's more alert and how, you know, he, he seems to be making better decisions and just be a little more with it, you know, and obviously quite a bit younger than your grandpa, but I know on a day-to-day basis, uh, on my rest days, I mean, it, it takes an extra cup of coffee for me to kind of get going. Whereas if it's uh, a training day, I mean, I, I I actually love training when I wake up because it really sets up my day. You know, it, it really gets you going and helps you to have a positive mindset. And as far as the health and well-being side, you know that I recently had a, a back injury. I had a grade two or three uh, tear on my on – my, it was a lumbar – Strain mm-hmm. is a grade two or three tear, and it always explained to me if grade three would be total separation, and I didn't classify it as that. It was more than anything I had, I had ever experienced. It had me out for, I would say, a good six weeks mm-hmm. before I was able to. I, I would say four weeks before I was able to go back to any kind of training at all, and it was probably another month and a half, two months before I was able to get back to most of the movements that I had done before. But, now what what, know, what kind of recovery methods and protocols, like what, what kind of things did you do that helped to heal that lower back? So, you know, 
it's interesting because I went to two different doctors and the first doctor just wanted me to get an MRI and to, and he gave me a prescription for, I think it was hydrocodone or some pretty high level drug. Didn't do much of an evaluation and I wasn't satisfied. So I went to another doctor and they gave me a cortisone shot and they told me that the thing that I, the biggest takeaway from that doctor was you are going to have to strike a balance between activity and rest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important, especially if you are competitive, if you're used to training, you want to get back to it as soon as possible, but you have to give yourself the appropriate amount of rest to, well, so I was, I was not totally released from work. So I still had to go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was light duty and it was tough. My son was about two or three months old at the time and it was very difficult to bend over and pick him up and get him out of the crib. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, I couldn't even walk around holding him in my arms, which is, it, it was very tough. So I was very motivated to, <laughs> I had a lot of reasons why I wanted to get better quickly. Oh, I can imagine. And thankfully, you know, my, my wife is a physical therapist and, you know, she, she told me some stretches that would be beneficial for me to try. And there was one night when I was at work where, you know, I would sit down for part of the night and do what I could. And then I would get up and walk around and it got to, it was about four in the morning. So about two thirds of the way through my shift. And I just went into a room and I started doing some of those stretches and it was instant relief. And after that night, I did that several times a day, every day. And it made such a huge difference. Other than time, which obviously is a component, I think that that was one of the biggest things that helped me out. And once I got to the point where I could walk around without pain, that was when I started to reintroduce some training. Very, very lightweight, even just, you know, very gradual. My my wife told me that most of the time, the recovery time is significantly longer. And she mentioned that when you have someone that is an athlete, someone that is whose body is more prepared, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have any injuries. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have setbacks. What it means is that when it comes to recovery, you're going to recover faster because your body is in a much better place to repair itself. And that was, that was one of the biggest takeaways that I got from it. It's, it's not that you're never going to have any problems if you trained. Because uh, life is weird and you end up, sometimes you just turn the wrong way or whatever it is. But the thing is, is one, those things don't happen as often. And two, when they do, you recover so much faster because your body is already used to performing. And 
you are the the relative load that is being placed on it to recover is much less than what you're putting on it when you were training. As I actually set a squat PR last week, which was nice. awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's always uh, I mean, it, it's nice when you're when you're able to achieve more than you did pre-injury. You know, it, it shows you that you done what you needed to do and you know you've even moved past that so oh definitely do you think you could send me at least the names of those stretches that you did so i can put that in the show notes for people who might be suffering from uh, a back injury or just low back pain in general yeah yeah definitely i think what goes along with doing those stretches for recovery is just the consistency and staying on top of doing the proper things you need to do to help heal your body, not only stretch wise, but um, other protocol wise. And even I think that bleeds into your training in general, just staying consistent with movement throughout the day, light resistance throughout the day. That's something that high speed anabolic is based on and implements is regular resistance throughout the day using resistance bands and that when people do this program they've got to do certain movements to activate the muscles throughout the day on top of their their training in general i would absolutely agree with that um there's actually been a lot of talk recently um by some pretty high level people who they're saying that the more studies that they do and the more they find out, they're finding out that our bodies, they don't react as well to, say, three 10-minute walks throughout the day as they do one 30-minute walk. Your body is used to doing these things. It wants to do these things throughout the day. Now, we can't walk around with a barbell in our, uh, you know, strapped to our back. So there are things that we can and can't do. But if you can distribute that throughout the day, that absolutely, uh, I, I can definitely see an application there. That's something that's new for me personally, implementing that regular, not the regular movement, because I, I hit about fifteen to 20,000 steps a day. So just moving in general has never been an issue for me through my through my day job. But the regular resistance of lifting things and moving things, and if you don't have a job that allows you to do that, using packing a resistance band in your bag and every hour and a half to two hours doing some simple shoulder presses and bicep curls and um, even squats, is enough resistance, I think, to keep the body moving and, and kind of give it what it needs, like you said, regular movement throughout the day, especially in a society now where everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are absolutely sedentary through throughout their day. They They sit while they drive to work, they walk into work, or they take the elevator, and then they sit at their desk all day and then they walk back to their car, they sit while they drive home, maybe they work out, but after they work out, 
relaxed watching the TV, they're while they're sitting. There's just so much sitting in our society today that we as a society just need to move more. And I think it's just crazy that we've gotten to this point really and it's 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 a huge factor and I think the more conscious you are about how how much movement you do, the better off you're going to be, hands down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one thing I consider myself fortunate with is that I'm an aircraft mechanic for a living, so I my job can be fairly physically demanding, uh, even on days when I wouldn't wouldn't consider it physically demanding. I'm still walking around. I'm still bending over and still kneeling. I'm, I'm moving. And that is something that I'm really happy about with my career is that my job is somewhat physical. You know, as I get older, maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my mind on that, but hopefully with continued training, I don't, I don't think it'll be an issue. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I live in Florida now and quite a few of my coworkers are are a little bit older, you know, they're in their 50s, and you can tell a big difference in the ones that take care of themselves and that have taken care of themselves over the years and the ones that don't. And the ones that aren't taking care of their bodies and haven't taken care of their bodies, the job is increasingly more difficult for them. And for me, personally, I... I don't want to get to that point. I mean, as you said earlier, as you age, it does get harder. You know, things your your body's aging and it doesn't respond the same way that it used to. But if you can get ahead of it at a younger age, that's the best thing you can do. And, and I, I always find this interesting with with everybody that I talk to, what, what it was uh, that kind of was the catalyst that kind of set you off and made you decide, I'm, I'm going to start working out. What, what was that for you? So for me, I went from, I was a pretty young guy, and I went from living in a house with uh, two or three other guys. So there's always something going on, someone there, to I bought my own house, and it was just me there. And on top of that, I worked nights, so... I wasn't usually awake when everybody else was, so it was a pretty, it could be pretty lonely. And I realized I needed some, I needed to do something productive with my time. Just sitting there and watching TV wasn't, it wasn't enough. There, you don't, you don't really gain much out of that. So there was a gym that was not too far from me that a few of us from work started going there and that's what initially got me going and you know every most of the other people ended up dropping off and me and one other guy kept going and you know both of us still are training this many years later but that was that was initially what got me in there I wanted to do something productive I wanted to to make a good use of my time I'm not sure how that compares with most people you talk to. I mean, everybody's got their own motivations. I was also Mm -hmm. single at the time, so, of course, I wanted to, you know, everybody wants to look better. Mm -hmm. 
and and that was a uh, also a motivating factor. But the thing that got me to really set foot in the gym is wanting to do something productive with my time. What kind of training did you start off doing? I mean, most most uh, teenage and, and early twenty year old guys start start off doing like bodybuilding style training because they want to get bigger and and get leaner and and you know look better. What what kind of training did you kind of set your sights on? So at the very beginning, I had no idea what to do. I was a guy that walked around the gym and did a sidelong glance to the machines to see how to use it. And then I would do whatever seemed like it was right, which I'm sure wasn't. But one of the other guys that I mentioned started doing these CrossFit classes. And, you know, I I would talk to him. We worked together. and We were friends. So I got interested in that. And I started doing CrossFit. And, you know, you said earlier, and it's very true, that when you are working out by yourself, it's very difficult to stay motivated. You have to use a lot of mental tricks. You have to you have to figure all these things out. And that was, I think, one of the big draws to me with CrossFit was that, you know, you see these people all the time. There there was a point where I was uh, doing class or running, you know, seven days a week that I was uh, so, so into it. And, you know, I, I liked it for the community aspect. And I liked it because I liked the results. I mean, if you take someone that's completely untrained, it doesn't matter what program you put on them, put them on. They're going to respond. So I did that for a while, and then I started to realize that while my strength had gone up, and while I I looked the way I liked the way that I looked a lot better than before, I found that my strength had kind of hit a plateau as far as my cardiovascular abilities. You know, I've I kind of peaked out there too, so it wasn't really progressing much. So that's when I started getting interested in more dedicated programming towards strength. And for a while, I did sort of a hybrid where I would do some heavy lifting and then I would do some metabolic conditioning, cardio ish kind of thing. And eventually, I, I kind of dropped that and keep in mind while I'm telling you all this, this is all going on over a course of years. Mm-hmm. And there were also points where, you know, life just threw things at me that at some points I wasn't, I didn't have the time to go to the gym or do anything other than what I had to do to survive. One of the, one of the things that I'm trying to tell people now one of my biggest takeaways from doing this really long term is that it doesn't matter if you fall off the wagon. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're not seeing as rapid of progress as you used to. It all builds upon itself. And just come back to it. 
you know, it doesn't matter if it's been six months, if it's been a year. There is a point where I was changing jobs, I was about to move across the country, and I was literally taking vacation on my work days and working overtime on my weekends because I was trying to get my house ready to sell while all this other stuff was going on. And I went from about 172 pounds to all the way down to about 155. And I'm 5'10", 5'11", on a good day. So it was it was tough to to drop that weight that it had taken me a lot to gain. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, but I got back to it. And after I moved, I slowly started to go back up again. And now I've surpassed anywhere that I was at before. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I think... I think that's something that uh, a lot of beginners tend to see. They don't see results as quick as they were hoping or they, they're good for a couple weeks or a couple months and then they fall off the boat. And then instead of getting back on, they decide, you know, oh, screw it. I already fell off the boat. I might as well just stay off the boat. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who's just just starting their journey, what would it be? Well, since I already used the keep coming back one, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to, uh, I guess my piece of advice would be, if you are expecting more out of your body, you have to, you have to fuel it correctly. That was a, uh, that was a lesson that has taken me a very long time to, to learn. 100%. Pair your nutrition with your training. Make sure you're giving your body adequate fuel. Because if you're one of these guys like I was, that you want to get bigger, you want to get buff, you can you can train seven days a week and you will not get to the point that you want to be unless you fuel for your workouts. Those two go hand in hand. And if you want to see results, you can have a good diet or you can train. If you want to see big results, which is what you really do want, that's what everybody wants. You have to do both. Dude, 100% agree. And I want to thank you for for letting me interview you, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's with how many years you have in the game, you're a wealth of knowledge. And I think people are really going to benefit from listening to our conversation. And so thank you. I thank you for, uh, for, for being here. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity and I, uh, I, I got to give you a big shout out here too, because I, I did not mention this earlier, but when I was injured, uh, you reached out to me and, you offered me a free program and I wasn't really familiar with anything that wasn't heavy weight training and your program gave me some good ideas and it gave me something to do to push me and help keep me motivated and you did that just out of the goodness of your heart you didn't I mean I live in Florida you live in Pennsylvania we've never met in real life 
and I think that says a lot about your character, and I just always will appreciate that you uh, you threw out that olive branch for me to, you know, help keep me motivated. And I just also have to say that your content is it's gold, man. You're you hit the nail on the head with everything that I watch. It's uh, I'm really impressed that you're talking about stuff that most people aren't talking about till they're 10, 15 years into the industry. And I think uh, it really says a lot about your your knowledge. Thank you. I I really uh, really appreciate the the kind words. That that means a lot. That means that that really means a lot. So thank you. And I'm looking forward to uh to watching you progress and and seeing how well you do and and just keeping up with it. Likewise, man. Likewise. Um well, thank you. Thanks for everything you do, Nate. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to keep on doing it. <laughs> I've got to say I really enjoyed this conversation with Chris. He is absolutely a wealth of knowledge in the fitness world with how many years he has in. You can find him on Instagram. I'll tag his username in the show notes so you can check him out there. Give him a follow, give him some likes. If you are ready to change your life for the better, head on over to executivefitllc.com for some online personal training. And as always, give us a follow on Facebook at executivefitllc. We're on Instagram as executivefit. One last thing, thank you for listening to Drive with Woody Fit. I hope you enjoyed this episode.